a school dropout. No graduation day for you, drama school dropout. Fucked your whole course, now try something new, drama school dropout. Hello and welcome to another episode of Drama School Dropout. My name is Ingram Noble and as per usual, I am your drama school dropout. And on today's podcast, I'm joined by the star of the Horrid Henry movie, amongst other things. I'm pretty sure he doesn't want to be known for things he'd done 10 years ago. But please welcome to the podcast, Theo Stevenson. Hello. Hey, thank you very much for having me, Ingram. It's all good. So I'm very excited to have you. Um, I, I got the email back to say that you were going to do it. And I was like, wow. Like, because... Yeah, you did, of course. We'll... we'll touch upon it briefly later on as well but it was like horrid henry's like everyone's childhood so it was like okay this is like a bit of a cult classic hey it, it's not a cult classic it's just a classic <laughs> oh before the film i was obsessed with the books growing up as a kid so it was crazy taking on that role and you know becoming the face uh-huh. of the character because still i'm being sent tiktoks on such a regular basis um, where people are like quoting the film or filming themselves watching it. I think I even got sent a video the other day of a kid um, on TikTok just playing up to his mom or someone and someone had written, this kid sounds so much like the actor who played Horrid Henry in the film. And it was so true. I listened to this TikTok and I thought, that's me, isn't it? It must be like, it must be cool to think like you done that 10 years ago. And like Horrid Henry's such a British thing. Well, it was such a British thing, but now it's sort of like taken over like the world. So that that movie came out ten years ago, and Horrid Henry's still obviously going. But that must be like really cool. Like ten years later, you're still getting. It's because of Netflix, right? It got put on Netflix, and then all the kids everywhere just started streaming it. Netflix is blowing stuff up from years ago. Like they just added Superstore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I clicked on superstore because i love ugly betty and i love america ferrera and i was like it's so good you should watch it i was like they've done so well with covid restrictions filming this it was filmed in 2015 and it's only just been put on netflix and it's massively blown up and like it's now finished and we're only just discovering it and they've finished filming the entire series there was like six series on netflix i was like oh this is a pleasant surprise you're loving it but yeah sometimes they can get that netflix money produced um producing the show and they can like keep it running you know yeah um, netflix is changing the game totally man totally i was even walking around uh greenwich park recently just like a couple of weekends back and they were filming a new netflix tv series there and um they had the whole park like sectioned yeah. off and you could see the actors in these like um makeshift uh phone boxes and stuff and they didn't want to say what they were filming but it was pretty obvious it was for netflix they clearly have a lot of like control still and you know oh yeah out there totally projects happen working on their series but yo my um new show flatmates i just finished filming the second series of that i'm really hoping it gets eventually put on netflix because um once we have like three series in the bag all going well then they can, you know, sell it to um, streaming service like Netflix. Netflix and, um, and Hulu and that really give things longevity now as well. Like sure, um, sure. Disney Plus, they've just started in their launch and star. And that's bringing things like Grey's Anatomy, Ugly Betty, all things like that. That's just like oh, Ugly yeah, Betty yeah. finished 10 years ago. And now that's right. going to blow back up. And more than likely, it's going to blow up and 
people are going to start demanding them remake it, like bring it back. So like, it, it's mental the power that these online streaming services now have. You can't really do anything without it being like, hopefully one day this will end up on Netflix. It's like, it's yeah, crazy. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's why I'm feeling hopeful about this uh, show, Flatmates, that I just finished filming the second series of. Yeah. Because I know that if it gets on Netflix, a lot of kids would love to stream it, you know? Yeah. And it, sort of Netflix is the perfect platform for especially children's TV, because like you and I, we can be like, like I live on my own. I, I don't know about you. I can be like, oh, that's on the telly tonight. I want to watch that. There's nobody to tell me no. But whereas, like, you're a kid, like, you can easily be put in front of an iPad and stream it. Yeah, for sure. For sure. What have you been watching recently? Uh, so, Superstore. Um, I, that, I just finished that last night. It's so good. Yeah, it's set in a supermarket. It's um, got America Ferreira, who's Ugly Betty. Lauren Ash um, from Mall Cop. Really good. Um, Shameless UK will forever just be uh, one that I go back to. Um that's like my one that I've watched when I go to sleep and things. What about you? Is that have you been binging anything? Rebecca Atkinson from that. Yeah. You know Rebecca Atkinson who plays um the daughter, I think. Yeah, she is. I want to say, Debbie. Yeah. Debbie, I think so. Yeah, 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 yeah. She's like a school kid in that series. Yeah, she she's with my mom in flatmates. <laughs> it goes yeah, yeah. along like ten years, I think. So I think we see a yeah, we watch her yeah. like grow up, but she starts off. As like an eleven-year-old, yeah, it's such a good show. She's eleven. I think so. I want to say that because wow. um, Jodie Latham, who plays Lip, he's meant to be like fifteen in the first series, and he's now like thirty, something like that. Don't hate Crazy. me if I got your name wrong. Rebecca got married to one of the actors that um, was her co-star in uh, Shameless, uh, Ben Bat. He only came in for a few episodes. Yes, he was. Married he and was Joe. Yeah, it's mental that, isn't it? How like if she'd have never done that TV show? There you go, man. That's crazy. No, Acting, bringing families together. Exactly, you said it. So you the it. the first questions that I always ask people is, how did you get into acting, and what was your first role? So it doesn't mm. matter. It could be a school show, anything. So my first roles were at school, to be honest. Um, but even outside of school, I was a part of this uh, theatre group, this little club that met up on Saturdays and put on shows like Bugsy Malone and Wizard of Oz and stuff like that. All the classics. Um, the classics, yo. And that's how I got an agent. We had an agent come and, um, you know, pick a few kids up and we paid for, like, um, a little photo shoot or whatever. So got some headshots done. And then they started putting, on, putting us up for auditions. And they were still putting on shows at the theatre school. But I was kind of like doing my own thing on the, uh -huh. on the outside of the, the group uh, professionally, which was cool. So it probably took a couple years to like book a job or land a role. But I was only so young, man. I was only like probably eight, nine years old or something, maybe even younger. And my first professional role was, um, was this movie. I played um, the young Father Christmas Fred in Claus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This Warner Brothers picture. Yeah. So that was insane, man. Literally going from just learning about acting and um, performing amongst this really small uh, group at the local theatre school to being on a Warner Brothers movie set. It was nuts. Um, what, what was that like? Like, what was your first reaction going from classroom, theatre group to film set? Because um, that's a jump. Crazy. Do you know what I mean? I feel like 
I did adapt pretty well, to be honest. I was wearing this uh, fat suit every day and this wig um, because young Father Christmas had long hair. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I was just the saintly boy that they picked out to, you know, look <laughs> cute and deliver the lines right in an American accent. So I had this dialect coach, you know, teaching me how to pronounce everything. And um, yeah, it was a cool experience, man. I mean, it was probably to this day one of the biggest budgets that I've ever been a part yeah. of. Do you know what I mean? One of the biggest um, and most expensive sets I've ever worked on uh so yeah it really showed me how much money is in the game and you know the shit like can i have a bit of it (laughs) just just a little bit would be nice yeah um that was like vince vaughn wasn't it fred claus yeah yeah yeah. vince vaughn so i got to meet him very briefly but i was always a vince vaughn fan man even when i was like younger than i was when i did fred claus i was watching wedding crashes and was there a bit where you grew up and you watched dodgeball and you were like i've worked with him this is cool i had my psp I had a PSP growing up as a yeah. kid, and every night I watched the same films on repeat. So it was Dodgeball and Hitch. Hitch was a classic. Dodgeball I had on repeat. 13 going on 30. Great movie, man. Great movie. But yeah, getting to work on a Vince Vaughn movie was pretty awesome. And I was being directed as well by David Dobkin, who directed um, Wedding Crashes. Yeah, so and all in all, not a bad first gig. Pretty cool first gig, man. <laughs> pretty awesome. Yeah, young Nick, six years old. That was the name of the character. And I was, I think eight or nine at the time honestly it genuinely must have been crazy and like obvious like you've got those big names that you've worked with under like your belt now like vince vaughn ashley jensen for sure for sure but what's cool about fred claus uh probably the best thing to come out of it is because i was only seven or eight my mom was chaperoning me she was looking after me on the set right and um the guy that played my brother in the film um he's an actor from canada called liam james he was about 10 years old at the time and he's now probably 25 or so, a few years older than me. Um, we hit it off. We became good friends. And our mothers became good friends as well on the set. And um, ever since, my family have been to Canada to stay with his family. Yeah. His family, London, visit us and have holidays in England. And um, yeah, they're like family to us. You know what I mean? It's crazy. We all met up a few years ago when my dad turned 50. Um, we met up in Ibiza. They flew from Canada to Ibiza. And uh, yeah, they're just people who are a big part of our lives now. I think my mum was catching up with uh, Bonnie Liam's mum on the phone the other day. And I was thinking back to how we met and how it was through me. It's crazy. So talking about like the big names that you've worked with, Vince Vaughn, uh, Ashley Jensen, David Tennant. We're all about manifesting things on this podcast. So who who's the next one? Who do you want to work with next? Like if we can pick one big name. Yo, the name on my mind right now is Will Smith, isn't it? Just because I spoke about Hitch being one of my favorite movies growing yeah. up. Um, but see, there are so many. There are so many. I don't actually watch a lot of TV um, unless there's something really great on Netflix. I find myself watching a lot of like Netflix documentaries more than anything else. Or YouTube documentaries. See, YouTube I'm like, like totally the opposite. I don't watch a lot of films. Really? Um, I don't know why. I've always just said because I don't have the attention span for it, but I can sit and watch like half a series of a TV show in one day. Like, Interesting though, because my attention span is something I need to work on sometimes and it's all a practice, eh? But yeah. that's why I feel like I can deal with watching a movie. One and a half, two hours, that's cool. If I love it, it has my attention and I'm fully focused on the film. But a series is like a story told over sometimes like 20, 30, 40 hours of episodes. And I think, wow, this is such a commitment. Like you know I, I mean? That's really nice stuff. one of my favorite TV shows is Orange is the New Black. 
and they were like 12, 13 episodes. As soon as they'd drop, I'd watch them all one after the other. Really? And then it's like, no, I can't watch this film because I don't have enough attention to sit for two and a half hours. It's like, what? If you love it, though, you'll make the time, then you do it. Um, If you're invested in the characters and their story, the journeys that they go on, then you're ready. Um, But yeah, if it doesn't grip me, I can't watch five minutes, you know? Yeah, I'm I'm the same. I'm the same with everything. Books, if, I, if I'm if i not wanting to guess what it's on the last page within the first 10 pages, I just close it and I donate it to a charity shop. Let's talk a little bit more about Horrid Henry. Um, yeah, how, how was the casting process for that? Because I'd imagine that they auditioned thousands upon thousands of people. I think they probably did, yeah. Um, I just went to an audition one Wednesday afternoon and... Um... <laughs> The rest is history. Oh, man, yeah, it was weird. Like, I remember sitting in a hotel um, after the audition. My mom took me, and I was drinking a hot chocolate, and I was just thinking, like, it's crazy they're making a film of Horrid Henry. So, uh-huh. as I read books, and I was a fan growing up, so I was just excited by the prospect. But then, um, excited by the prospect of the film actually being made, you know, let alone whether or not... You were going to be in it. Part of it, totally. So, um, when I started getting a little closer to actually booking the job the doubts crept in a little bit and I thought oh do I really want to play the lead character do I really want to be this main role in the film because I knew that it would follow me around do you know what I mean I knew they would hang over my head for a little while 10 years later you're still talking about it on a podcast of course man thank god you know it is bro thanks for having me on but um, it's nuts because even before booking the job I had that foresight I knew that it would hang over me I knew that I'd be known as the kid who played Horrid Henry for a long time, you know, hopefully yeah. along with everything else, but that would be a thing. So I wanted to be cast as one of the friends. I wanted them to put me in one of the roles uh, of the mates. Uh, Ralph, all Henry. that, all those yeah, kind yeah, of people. Yeah, Ralph, man, something like that, you know, uh, all the boys. But I actually told someone a little fib a couple of days before I got offered the role. I was doing a play at the time. I was um, working on this show. It was a musical called The Human Comedy. And we transferred from the Young Vic Theatre in London to uh, the Watford Palace Theatre. And um, I made friends with one of the guys I was working with. And I told him a little fib. He was like, oh, what have you been up to? And I said, "Um, I'm auditioning for this role in a new movie. In fact, the director just came to the theatre to do a screen test with me here um, in one of the rooms at the Watford Palace Theatre. He said, what's it for or whatever? And I said, oh, it's for Horrid Henry. And this guy that I was working with, he knew about Horrid Henry because... He'd been working on the shows. They actually had Horrid Henry on stage yeah. in the theaters doing a tour. So he knew about this character. And I said, um, they're going to give me the part. Like they've offered me the role of Horrid Henry. And they had it. <laughs> I was the most, right? I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to be in the film. I'm going to play the lead and this and that, rah, rah, rah. And uh, anyway, I think it was the next day or something. My mom picked me up. I'd just done one of the shows, performed in the play, the musical. And my mom picked me up from the theater at 9 30, 10 p.m. And she was holding a, a yo-yo and she gave it to me, just the cheap one that she picked up. But it was symbolic because the Horrid Henry character, I don't know if you remember from the film, is always playing yeah. with the yo-yo and part of the um part of the auditioning process. Uh during the workshop auditions, we had to like learn how to yo-yo or something, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> so anyway, my mom gives me the yo-yo. She says, You've got the part. I spoke to your agent, they're offering you the role. And part of me thought, Oh God, I'm gonna play the lead role. You know, the title character is mine. It was pressure, but then at the same time, I was thinking, phew, at least I can tell my boy that I'm playing the character and I got the I got the I role. wasn't you bullshitting. Know? I wasn't lying. Yeah, exactly. Even though I, I did tell him a little fib because, um, yeah, I hadn't been quite offered the part when I told him I was doing it. But... It's kind of a double-edged sword, that, though, isn't it? Like, 
you you can book like a really successful role because how many people have watched Horrid Henry? I bet the ratings are like through the roof. But then I had a similar experience a couple of years ago. I was auditioning for Big Brother and I made it very, very far. Was basically a housemate. Uh, Didn't happen. But I too had the same thinking of, oh, I don't want to be the boy from Big Brother though. Like if I go into an audition. So that's like a massive double-edged sword that you can do something that's so popular and so successful, but then it taint you like a little bit. And me and my friends were talking the other day about the same thing. And we were talking about people from Friends because we just happened, David Schwimmer was in something. And I was like, yeah, but he's a great actor, but that's always Ross from Friends for me. So like everyone's guilty of it. Yeah, it's just such a double-edged sword with it. And it's it's like crazy because the only one that kind of like broke free from friends and you know had this career outside of friends that had us recognizing her for who she is other than rachel yeah i mean every other friends character will always be to us who they were in friends i i think the thing that happened with Jennifer Aniston though was, and obviously I'm not an expert to be commenting on this, but she was offered an Adam Sandler movie right before she was going off to see Do Friends. And she said to Adam Sandler, oh no, I'm going to do this sitcom called Friends. And Adam Sandler was like, are you stupid? Like, what are you doing? Because Friends was obviously nothing at the time. And Adam Sandler was a big household name. So she had those like connections with like masters of film, like Adam Sandler, who can literally do anything. And if you look at her roles, like just go with it. um, Now every Jennifer Aniston film has just escaped my head. Just go with it. We're the Millers. Like they're all such good stories. And Adam Sandler as well. She's well with Adam Sandler so many times. Yeah. Honestly, I love Friends, one of my favorite TV shows, but it is like a massive double-edged sword. As you say, you didn't know if you wanted to, because it follows you around. Like It does. And these characters, you know, the characters of Friends, Eva Horrid Henry, these are beloved characters. Yeah. Um, so it's nice, you know, it's so sweet for me to say, turn up to a friend's house um, and the kids are watching Horrid Henry. That's awesome. You know, I've got friends with kids now, I'm a little bit older. And they love it depressing. Do you know what? It changed my perspective uh, on that whole experience I had though playing Horrid Henry because I feel like for a few years I didn't like the fact that I carried it around with me. Yeah. I mean, I talked openly and honestly about how um, I didn't regret doing the film. I don't live with regrets, but I was right. You know what I mean? It did follow me around. Yeah. I would go out in my hometown in Essex here and um, everyone thought they knew me. Do you know what I mean? Just because they'd seen me um, in the film or they'd seen me out and about and they felt like... You sort of give up your anonymity. Right, you do, man. And part of me loved it. My ego was... Um, oh, you're famous now. It felt a bit like that, you know, but then at the same time, I was realising growing up that I am quite a private person as well. Yeah. So I don't really want to like um, have people trying to contact me constantly online and uh, have people feeling like they know me but then as I was saying man in very recent years having kids or having not my own kids but friends with their kids yeah not yet man touch wood but having friends oh I don't um, want kids I'm too children. selfish for that stuff yeah but I feel like <laughs> even having children is a little bit selfish on some level you know uh, it's all priorities right but my friends, a few friends have kids and the kids love Horrid Henry. And I feel like I'm glad it was me that got to do that. Do you know what yeah, I mean? it must also be cool if 
they're sat watching Horace Henry and like your friends are like, oh, that's Uncle Theo. There you go, man. Like that's that must be cool. cool for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's really cool. That's really cool. And um, yeah, it could have been somebody else, but it wasn't. So that's what's up. And also, as we were saying, man, maybe even before the podcast started, the way that we can look back on our lives and track like how the story unfolded. So for example, if I hadn't done the Horrid Henry film, I probably wouldn't be working on this flatmate show right now. Um, they offered me the character that I played in um, Million Between, which Flatmates is a spin-off of. Yeah. Probably because I had the experience playing Horrid Henry in the movie. Um, I had like a nice amount of um, work under my belt, professional acting work, even though I couldn't go to the audition for Million Between because I was doing my GCSEs at the time. And I said, I can't make it. I'm so sorry. Can I send in a self-tape? And they said, just have the role. You know, I think they said at first, do a self-tape, but I was too busy. And eventually they just said, we trust Theo to play this character. We know that he's experienced and um, he's got a bit of a following from the from the fan base of Horrid Henry, like go for it. That must be like a massive advantage as well, because uh, it sounds cynical, but when you're casting, you're also trying to make money. And obviously you have a following that you can, you have a trans, especially a children's audience that you can easily transfer to another children's show so that must be like a massive advantage i'd flex that all the time flex man that's what it's about but to think that i'm still playing this character craig that i was probably given just because i've done horrid henry and all stars and whatever i'm still doing this man i'm still living that life uh-huh. and the people that i've met who have become close to me personally it's all because of that do you know yeah. what I mean? My life is what it is because of how I set it up when I was younger, playing roles in kids' films. It's nuts. Yeah. Very One last thing about Horace Henry, and uh, yeah. then we'll move on. Did you steal or borrow, which I'm doing in um, air quotes, anything from the set? You know Were what? You- I didn't steal it, but on my final day filming, they gifted me with a clapperboard, a Horace Henry clapperboard, and I still have it. So the board that they used to, um, to yeah, you know, cut yeah. it all together. Uh, had everybody sign it and they gave it to me on my final day, man. And it was so funny. Like, I remember a couple of the other little actors um, unfortunately weren't presented with the clapperboard and they were kind of like waiting on their clapperboard, <laughs> in it, And they just gave one to me and I was like... Just sat waiting. Oh, I'm, I'm keeping this forever. That had been me. I'd have been like, where's mine? Uh, I know I was only boy in audience, but like, where's mine? I want a clapperboard, please. Um <laughs> Yeah, that was lovely, man. That was a sweet gesture. And um, yo, I did steal. Did I steal it? Or did exclusive. They give it to exclusive. It? And I bought it, yo. I paid good money for this. My hard-earned Horrid Henry money got spent on um, one of the tops, the Horrid Henry tops. And then I gave it to this girl. I was doing a play and there was an actress in the show with me, um, quite a successful actress now. And yo, I looked up to her, you know, I kind of fancied her probably. And I gave her, <laughs> I was about doing the Horrid Henry film and how I had the jumper still. And I gave it to her. I was like, I'm gonna bring it in for you, you can have it. And I brought it in and I hope she still wears it. I hope oh, she still wears it. And I, I, I heard her beanie as well. I'd have been like, And no. I gave it to another girl, I went skiing. It was a school trip that I went skiing with. Me and my friends, we were staying in this dorm and in the next dorm with these kids from a different school. And we hit it off though. Like the two schools were hanging out throughout the week or two that we were there. And uh, there was this one girl, Annie, I think her name was. And on the final night, I gave her the beanie, the Horrid Henry beanie that I've been wearing. Yeah. So basically, if you want any um, Horrid Henry memorabilia, just um, flirt with Theo. Flirt with Theo, have him fall in love with you. 
The merch is yours, baby. Yeah, you can have all the memorabilia that just empty his house. Got nothing left. No you still got the clapper board. Still got the clapper board. You got you got to my heart for that. <laughs> I mean, we can arrange for someone to marry you. And they say they say th- all the the little uh, notes say, "Dear Theo, you know." I'll change my name. I'll change my name to Theo. Fuck <laughs> it. Um, so talking about like Millie in between and things, like how was that been? Because like you said, you got offered the role when you were doing your GCSEs. Yeah, awesome, yeah, I was so young. I was like 16 and the first series we shot in Glasgow. So I was living in Rep in my hometown. Drama school dropout. No graduation day for you. Drama school dropout. So then h- humans comes along what was it like in humans because that's kind of different to what you've done before everything's sort of been uh, realistic sort of naturalism sort of it could happen within the real world and then you're jumping straight into humans which is this like surreal drama what i feel like what i liked about humans was how believable it was how real it felt yeah you know it felt like what was happening could be playing itself out here, could be going down in our reality. And still, we're not far away from, from that vision, you know, yeah. being brought into fruition. It's like... I mean, I'm sorry to everyone know, that has one, but Alexa's series. Oh, exactly. And, and I love my Alexa. You know, I wake up in the morning and it's your Alexa. And I'm taking <laughs> off my mask to scan my face every day when I want to pay for something. See if you... In the future, man. See if you... If you got your face ID, see if you just rescan your face with a mask on, it works. Really? Yeah. I don't even know that. Yeah, it, I, so I think it might be you have to do half a mask on, scan it, add a new face, the other half, scan it, and it still works. Yo, I saw, um, I think it was Diplo or someone, you know, the DJ. Yeah. He had a mask that was like his face. And the rich behaviour. Yo, rich, rich boy shit, man. It just said underneath... <laughs> The new normal and i was thinking i want to get one of those man i want to get my face printed on a mask no one can tell me shit i want one but like somebody else's face like just random like helen mirren it'll be like that game yeah all the different faces like helen mirren or someone like that idea this is sick yeah theresa may i'm dibs in theresa may sexy mouth and nose (laughs) so um what is what's happening in the future so obviously you just said you filmed a new series of flatmates um and obviously we're in lockdown we're in lockdown um i'm writing a lot of poetry man i'm writing a lot of music i'm singing i'm rapping every day but i'm also yeah waiting on the second series of flatmates to drop on the bbc iplayer so yeah fingers crossed that's gonna do well i'm sure it will the first series um did surprisingly well man it worked to more audience members than i think uh, we were expecting it to, and... It's always a bonus. Personally, trust me, man. And for me personally, I feel like the second series is so good, man. Way better than the first, just because the scripts are slick, man. The performances were so, um, so pacey. It's almost like this American-style sitcom with British characters, British humour. Um, but the pace of it feels quite American and very slick, you know? Yeah. Uh, we just had a few... Uh, sets to film in so it's basically predominantly in the flat of course and then there's a little cafe around the corner called the tattoo cat where the characters like 
hang out and drink coffee. And it's great, man. I've only seen the first couple of episodes, but obviously I worked on all eight of them. I mean, uh, you know what happens. <laughs> just about. Just, I know what happens to my character. You've um, read the scripts. Surprises. Yeah, yeah. Got to keep it exciting, you know. So, yeah, that's going to come out in March next month. Um, I'm not sure whether or not they're going to drop four episodes in March and then four episodes in April, or if they'll just put them all on the ad player at once. Um, but yeah, people can binge that. Get it, get it binged. It's in the description. Thank you. Yeah, appreciate that. Flatmate series two. Uh, so my character Craig, as I was saying, I played in Millie in between. Craig was the stepbrother of the main character Millie, and the first episode I did of Millie between, I'm being introduced to the two girls who would later on become my stepsisters, and I was being forced to babysit them. I'd never met them before, but our parents were going on a date, and uh, Mike, played by Jeremy Edwards. He uh, brings me over to their place in Scotland in the show. I think it was like the pilot episode. And he says, um, oh, it's cool that your uh, babysit is cancelled on your last minute because Craig's here and he can look after the girls. And I was like, oh, you know. Um, Do you still film that in Glasgow? No, so we only ever did one series in Glasgow. The second series we shot in Belfast. So we literally moved the whole, the whole show to Ireland. And that's where I've been working ever since, up until Christmas time filming the second series of honestly Flatman. like the same crew in belfast that did million between like i'm jealous that you're still getting to work i've i've auditioned yeah. for two like, things in the past year and got one so cool man what was that it was a audio play um it's called sea change yeah, it was on on a boxing day but i was too hungover to catch it so i'm waiting for it to be uploaded like onto like where audio dramas go so i still haven't yeah, heard right. it it was possibly it was terrible <laughs> smashed it so next um i I always play a little game with everyone that comes on and it's called stage right or stage shite so i'm gonna give you three scenarios well stories that happened two of them are stage right which they're true they actually happened and one of them is stage shite which means it's a lie um, so it's your job to just find out. I don't know which one's which either. So we'll play along together. We can talk about them afterwards. Uh, so number one, I've got them down in front of me here. Uh, around 20 years ago, I was auditioning for drama school and a boy had to be escorted off the property as he had bought a real life knife to accompany him with his Macbeth monologue. I believe that. That's stage right. So number two, during a West End preview, I got a text from the director telling me to change my accent in the second half of the show. I can see that happening. Damn. Imagine. Imagine. You'd be like, no. (laughs) I'll do it for the next show, but not halfway through. Halfway through shows. A little out of line. So number three, I was touring with a show and we got to a new venue in a new town and we realised the set had been installed backwards. So it was facing away from the audience. Yo, they all sound relatively believable. Yeah, that's that's like... Well, what... I'm going to say the last one is stage shite. I think it's going to be the West End preview because surely you're not going to tell somebody to do that in the West End. What, change the accent? Yeah, like you're not going to... like They're already invested in the show. Yeah, but you know what directors are like, man. I feel like True. just like True. Put in that last minute. No, you know. Right. I, I'm gonna look and see which one was. So which one did you say? The third one? So you're going for the third one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think this third one, to me, it sounds like stage shit. Right. Oh, it's number one. The number knife. One? Which knife. I thought was like really plausible. If yeah, you that do was a, definitely plausible. If you do the dagger monologue. No, I didn't even go to a drama school and uh, a kid I went to school with brought in a knife one time. Yeah. Sounds fun. (laughs) 
drama school dropout. No graduation day for you, drama school dropout. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, where can we find you all on social media for everyone listening at home? Instagram, Theo underscore Stevenson. Um, that's the one that I use. I'm on Twitter as well, but um, I think I uh, forgot my password. I've been locked out of like a year or something. Perfect. Yeah, I'll get the password back, then I'm going to be on Twitter as well. Um, but bro, it's been real, man. Twitter, sort it out. Let them know. And also, um, I'm trying to get a blue tick on Instagram. Yes, I want one too, but I'm not like famous. Ingram and myself, we're off the blue ticks. Yeah, I, I want a blue tick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's get blue ticks, man. Blue ticks for everyone. I had um the PR company that are promoting flatmates say, I will sort it for you, Theo. No worries. I was like three months ago. So every yeah. now and again, I was a little email like, yo, guys. Can I get that blue tick now? Yeah. Pull through. But yeah, let, let's start a hashtag. Um, Let's let's think about what it could be. Um. Incorporate, Blue- Henry, incorporate TikTok or setting, man. Uh, yeah, you share know. this on like all social media, TikToks, Twitter. Um, so like hashtag Blue Ticks. Let's just go for it easy. Blue Ticks for Theo and Ingram. Drama school dropout. Yeah, and then hashtag drama school dropout. Always. Always. Yeah. Perfect. Um, so for, thank you to everyone listening at home and thank you to Theo for coming on and being part of the podcast. Um, we're in series two now, which is cool because I normally flick out of things quicker than this. Um, so if you fancy, you can leave a little rating and review down below. You can always find me on social media at Ingram Noble Everything, Theo at uh, Theo underscore Stevenson. And you can submit your theatre stories for Stage Right or Stage Shite by emailing dramaschooldropoutpod at gmail.com. And thank you so much. We'll be back again next week with a lovely, a new episode where I chat some more shite with some other actors, hopefully, if people reply to the emails. (laughs) Just call me, man. I'll be back. Perfect. Yeah, this is a new series. Me and Theo chatting rubbish all day. Function your whole course, now try something new, trying to scoot